Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. Luke 5, 31 and 32. And then we'll also be in Romans 11. So we recently went through uh, the series Simple Church, and we just officially finished last week. Are people stealing Bibles? Jim, you have your own Bible. Okay, we're running low on Bibles, so we'll need to buy some more. But no, seriously, if you need one, take one of these two and make them your own, and we will get some new ones. Um, but if you don't know, if you have your phone, uh, it's, you can get the Bible program on your phone. So when you see people on their phone, that doesn't mean that they're just bored. It's probably because they're using that as their Bible. And I actually want you to grab your phones right now. So um, I know you don't hear that often in an assembly or in church or whatever, but I want you to grab your phone, and I want you to plan on texting, and I want you to text your questions to this number, because you will have some questions when we get started here. I'm going to bring up a friend of mine in a second, because we're going through um, part two of Invest and Invite. When we went through Simple Church, we talked about investing and inviting, and what that meant was the people... When we talk about the process of someone coming to Christ, it's usually a process. It's usually not at one moment, and usually there's a lot of people involved, and the times when it's really a big impact is not usually somebody speaking, but it's someone that feels completely unqualified, that doesn't know their Bible well enough, that doesn't pray well enough, that doesn't do whatever enough, and that's how we all think of ourselves. But it's someone that's invested in somebody else, which means you have friends, people you care about, people you love, and those are the people that we're invested with. And with them, in a natural way that that relates with our friendship with them, we invite them into the body of Christ, and especially to him. And so as we talk about that, let's look at Luke uh, 5, and this is from uh, the message translation, you would have... If you looked at any of the other translations, it was probably said this way. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. Um, And the way the message translated it is this. Jesus heard about it and spoke up. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. And so... We discussed it, we gave examples, but I thought, what better way than to bring someone up that has redirected their entire life to live this out in a specific way to a specific people? And for that reason, you're definitely going to want your phones because you're going to have questions that come up. Um, So I want to invite Todd Moorhead to come on up, and uh, could you please welcome him? So the step scared you? What? You, you were scared to go up the step. You didn't, wanted to go around. I don't know where to go. I didn't want to trip over the wires either. That would have been a good entrance. It's already set to go. Well, it's, it's easy. Next time, if you want to get down, you can just go right here. And you can just walk down, up. So you can do that if you want. But if you want to take the stairs, All right. you can do that too. All the little kids take the stairs. 
So I've known Todd for quite some time, and um, Todd, since we've known each other so long, what is the best wave you've ever seen me surf? <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know if I've seen you ride one. No. <laughs> Sing on. Uh, there we go. Um, go ahead. It definitely wasn't at Cotton's because there's no such thing as a good wave at Cotton's Point. Sorry about that, but that's just the facts. Um, could have been Creek. Probably Creek. Probably Creek. Probably yeah, Creek. Yeah, in fact, you, uh, Todd and I, um, we planted branches. Um, Todd is a local at Creek, and he said, man, I just have a heart for the guys here. He, you know, wanted to, there were people he was invested in. He goes, I just, I just want them to know. And I'm like, well, then let's just start showing up and praying. And uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, a lot of the guys were like, oh. So we, they were bummed that we, that, I mean, there weren't, it wasn't like a crew of people showing up, but we'd sit there, and then I, I started bringing coffee, and we'd go out and surf and just hang out. But that's the kind of heart that he has. Um, you know, he's grown up there. And he, these are his friends, and he wants them to know how much Christ loves them. Yeah, we had fun. I don't know if we impacted anybody. We had a good time, though, huh? Well, I, Hanging out? <laughs> if Bryn's accurate, we prayed for him, so something, yeah, yeah, something must have happened. In fact, it was cool. That there's uh, one guy who will remain nameless, but um, he's an angry dude. And we were at Creek, and I've seen him here at this church a couple times since. I don't think I've even told you that. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you know who I'm talking about. Because there's a lot of angry people. Prayer there. works. Nah, don't say any words. No names. No names. Prayer works. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I've asked Todd to come, but <laughs> you don't know anything about Todd. All you see is his red hair and his great humor and his fear of, of stepping up the steps. But there's a lot to him. And so um, I want you to kind of know some of his background. So uh, we have some pictures here. Um, this is him and his brother, and some of you know his brother. That's my twin brother, Tyler. Uh, not really, we don't look anything alike, but he's my older brother. And Tyler's here right now. Where, where's Tyler? Yeah, he loves the attention. He's got the really cool yeah. flannel right there. Yeah. What's up? What is that on your face? That's, I think, just straight up mud. <laughs> okay. And he has parents. We have a picture of just one of the parents. Um, There's my dad. He was a Huntington Beach firefighter. My dad's here as well, Brett. So, yeah. Don't forget your mom. Oh, wait, my mom's here next to him. Yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks, Bug. <laughs> you just weren't in the picture. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I grew, up, I grew up in Huntington Beach uh, until I was nine. And two very supporting parents. Um, by the, my brother's two years older than me. My parents had just become believers when my brother was born, so I grew up into that uh, believing household. And um, yeah, it was really cool because, um, I'll, I'll, I'll point this out in a sec, but um, yeah, by the time I was four, I had given my heart to Jesus. I, I was really young, I realized, but I knew somehow that um, through my mom and dad communicating me, with me that I was a sinner, and at four, I, I look at my little four-year-old now, and I think I was at least that bad. Um, so <laughs> so uh, I needed Jesus, and I asked him in my heart, um, whatever that looked like at that time. And um, yeah, and then, I, then we moved to Laguna Niguel, and from basically four years old to, uh, well, till now, I, but 
I started surfing when I was four, and then about 11 years old, all organized sports went out the door. All I wanted to do was surf. So um, these are some of my friends here. Um, there's Jason Muir, the, the legend. <laughs> We're also twins. We're at least in twins. What's funny is I actually put on his wetsuit accidentally down a creek, and it, it, it didn't fit me because um, we had that same suit. But um, yeah, I grew up with these guys. And um, what, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it was Mirror Boy always that happy? <laughs> that is classic Mirror Boy right there. <laughs> and then you, uh, you went to college at the only university that matters, Point Loma. There you are. Oh, no, I went to Biola. No, no, Sorry. really, no, no. You went to Point Loma. <laughs> Oh yeah, I um, yeah I went to school at Biola and um, still there today. Actually, I got a one degree that I finished, so I finished it, and now I'm working towards on, a degree on but, part two. Yes, part two. But yeah, so um, yeah, but a huge impact on my life. I was trying to compete from like 12 to 18 in surfing, and I don't know if you guys knew who George Hulse is. He was my youth pastor at the time. He's a pastor at Shoreline Church, where I go to church. Um, and he was my surf coach, my youth pastor for junior high, high school, and college, and today. Um, so he, he had a huge influence on my life, and yeah, so that's kind of me in a, a nutshell up until college. And then something happened that we never thought would happen. <laughs> like we said, prayer works. Um, yeah. So this is my wife, Renee, who's also here, and... I'm holding Benjamin, who's four, and Sage is 10 months old, and so a boy and a girl, yeah. So you've always been passionate. You are one of the few that wanted to go into full-time ministry, so you did that, and you worked with uh, Paul Eshelman, Esh's dad, yep. at the Jesus Film, and then things took a really hard right turn. Will you explain what happened? Oh, well, okay, so... I, well, I got into, like, going to Israel and doing, like, Jewish ministry. But, like I said, when I was four years old, I became a believer. Um, and then, like, pre-teens, God put it in my heart, like, just this love for the Jewish people. Um, it was, I, was, I was really young, and I thought everybody had a heart for the Jewish people. I thought everybody was, like, kind of obsessed with Israel and all that stuff and looking at maps. And I thought that was normal. Um, until, until I met Renee, and she's like, this is not normal. Um, this is cool, maybe, but no. Um, but yeah, it's de definitely different. And so, yeah, I, um, I, but when, when I was 18 years old, my dad and I went on the typical on and off a tour bus trip with Coast Hills, the church that I was going to at the time uh, with them. Um, and we went to Israel for the first time. So, Everything that God was doing in my heart up until that point was just, like, completely ignited. Like, it was like this fire that began to burn. Um, and then, then I started going to a, a Bible study where they studied the Bible from a Jewish perspective, which I, every time I say it, I have to say that's a funny thing to say because it's written by Jews. So what other perspective are you going to read it from? But, okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, and that really began to stoke the fire in my heart. 
um, to do something in, in Jewish ministry, Jewish related. Um, so yeah, my life took this, started to take this course. I, I was working at the Jesus Film Project because I was greatly affected by Paul Eshelman, John's dad, and I actually was, I worked for the Jesus Film for three and a half years as a um, mission trip team leader with surfers. They actually made a job for me. They asked me if I would run surf trips, uh, international mission trips with surfers. And I was like, okay. You know, I, I, there was no such thing as that job. So that was great. And then during that time, I started meeting Israelis. Everywhere I went, I was in the Maldives. Um, and I met like 15 Israelis. And it's like, I'm like a, like I'm a magnet to them or something. There's something's going on. Like, and I... God began to really develop and sharpen this love to dive deeper into that. And when Todd and I were talking about this before, he talked about his, his love for the Jewish people and for um, the Israelis and, and all that God's word says about that. But, you know, much like Renee, I went, well, you know that no one here is going to share that same background or that same passion. And the reality is, is that we have a call to the Jewish people. This isn't a political statement here. This is what Jesus has said. Um, this is what Paul has said. This is what the Old Testament says flowing into the New Testament. We, when we talk about being a church for people who don't go to church, what we're saying is, is, look, for those that don't yet have a faith as Jesus the Messiah, we want them to know this good news. And one of the things that we typically do is what we're like, okay, Jewish people, they don't want to hear this, so forget them. Muslims, they don't want to hear this. And we kind of make our own decisions. We make decisions for people. And um, I want us to look at Romans 11, and I'm going to kind of start us off with it, so if we could show the first part. And in this, um, I want you to look at it with new eyes. So I'm going to kind of explain this passage a little bit, but then I'm going to have Todd give us actual practical examples, put faces to this reality. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's talking about what has happened. Um, and so he says this, I ask again, did they stumble, meaning the Jewish people, uh, the, the people of Israel, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Now this is coming from Paul, who was a Pharisee, a leader of the Jews. He's, in fact, he calls himself the, a Jew among Jews. It means he's kind of saying, I'm kind of a big deal among the Jewish people. And he knows he's Jewish. He's not rescinded it. Um, you don't have to be one or the other. And what he says, not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Meaning, because they have rejected Jesus Messiah, salvation has come to those who aren't Jewish, those who are outside of the people of Israel, to make Israel envious. Todd will help explain this in a little bit. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? It means when they come to faith. Um, let's look at the next couple verses. I'm talking to you, Gentiles, which is another way to say, I'm talking to you, talking to me, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arise my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? 
Now, we can read these scriptures and go, oh, yeah, that must be for somebody else. I don't know what that would look like. And so, Todd, I'd like you to share a few of the stories and put the reality of this. What does it mean? Like, first off, the assumption is, well, Jewish people are so into their faith and everyone is so religious, there's no way they'd even want to start a dialogue. Have you seen that to be the case? No, that's exactly what I thought. I, the first time I went to Israel, and okay, so let me, let me say this. Most of my stories take place in Israel. When I'm talking about Israel, but you could just picture the Jewish coworker you have here. They just live in a different place, okay? They're all Jews. They're the same, same ethnicity, same background. So don't, don't go, oh, Todd's talking about a far-off place that I'm never going to go to, so like, I don't need to listen. Like, everybody has Jewish friends, so... Um, oh, the question was... Um, well, you talked about your fear. Oh, right, yeah. So I went, to, I went to Israel thinking, man, if I don't know my Old Testament really, 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 really well, um, they're going to put me to shame. So I began to, <laughs> I began, <laughs> I began to talk to some of my friends, that, and I met all my buddies through surfing. And I had brought a Channel Island surfboard over to one of my buddies. And he had his rabbi come over to check it out. I think his rabbi surfed too. And so we got into this conversation about Jesus. And I began to, his rabbi was asking me questions. And I began to share with him um, about, about Jesus and how he was a Messiah and stuff like this. And I mentioned the death and resurrection of Jesus. And my friend is standing just on the other side listening and he goes he rose from the dead and I just went like wait a second I didn't say anything but like like check like he has no idea what's going on and this was the case um, even though this particular friend was kind of religious which most Jews aren't most Jews are either atheist or agnostic um, 90% are just secular um, wait, wait I want to say that again because None of us would really, I don't want anybody to yeah, miss yeah. that Yeah, so when fact. you think about Jews, think about most of them are secular, most of them are atheists or agnostic. They either say there is no God, or maybe there's a God and I don't know about him. And that's 90%. That's 90, I mean, these are like rough, I've heard it over and over again, but this is what, this is what the professionals say. No, so, um, I'm just repeating it, yeah, and it, and it seems quite true to me, so, um, but he was, he was religious, um, but he, he doesn't know any of his Old Testament. He just knows what the rabbis have told him, right? It's like a commentary. <laughs> he knows a commentary. Mm-hmm. And it's much like I shared um, a couple weeks ago when I said, look, in, well, actually it was last week, when I talked about trust, like we put our trust in God. Don't even put your trust in me. You need to ch- fact check all these things. And in the same way, this guy only knew what his rabbis taught him. And in a lot of ways, we only know what I say or someone else says from up here. We don't actually get into the word of God ourselves and look to, to, to look for the facts. Yeah, so I, I would just say for all of us, um, for the Jewish friends in our life, don't assume they know anything about their own Bible. Uh, they may, but don't assume. And you could probably assume they have never picked up a New Testament. They you could assume that the, what they've been taught about the New Testament is it's a book you absolutely do not touch. It's completely off limits to Jews, even though it's a Jewish book. Um, but they don't know that. They have no idea. They think it's a Gentile. They think it's a non-Jewish book on how to serve some non-Jewish God. Okay, those are two lies that they believe. 
Like, that's not the truth. So um, what I would say is engage your Jewish friends because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we're here for, one of the reasons. And, again, when we come back to investing and inviting, it's, it's out of love. Like, when Todd talked about it first win, he's like, okay, I better know my stuff. I mean, it's almost setting it up like a debate. And yet, by him being there, he's developed these friendships, and now it's, it's based on people he's invested with. It's people he cares about, and relationship after relationship after relationship. I mean, the Jewish people love Todd. They love the red-headed surfer guy because he loves them. Um, you know, I was going to show that. Well, let's show the diagram, and then I want you to share the story about the girl from L.A. So um, can you put up the, the diagram, please? This is a diagram that um, Todd came up with in Hairspray Made Pretty. And so could you describe it? Because this is basically the passage we just looked at, Romans yeah. 11, 11 through 15. Yeah, so step one, um, the Jews reject the rejection of Jesus. And this is that transgression that's talked about. Because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So their main transgression, their main offense was that they rejected God's Messiah, their Messiah, as a, um, in part, uh, meaning Paul didn't reject it. He was Jewish. Peter didn't reject it. He was Jewish. Tons of Jews didn't reject it, but the nation as a whole, like most of the nation did. So their tra main transgression was rejection of Jesus. Because they rejected it, salvation comes to us, unless you're Jewish. Um, salvation comes to the Gentiles. Why, though? One of the reasons, I mean, God loves us. He always had a plan to save us, but he does things in mysterious ways. He actually, one of the reasons why you and I are saved is to make Jews envious. Have you guys ever thought about your faith that way? That your faith is supposed to make other Jews envious? Um, so, and I believe the only way that can happen is through friendship, that you would come alongside your Jewish friends um, with love and respect, adoration towards them, um, an attitude of gratitude towards them. Even if they don't recognize it, you could tell them, hey, I recognize that the Jewish people have given me the Bible, and uh, I wouldn't know who God was without the Jewish people. I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't have a New Testament. There'd be no Jesus without the Jewish people. There'd be no salvation without the Jewish people. Like, thank, you could say thank you to them, and they might just go like, oh, well, like, whether they agree with it or not, their walls are going to come down. Like, they're going to... They're gonna, Take that, I mean, if you're already friends with this person, they're gonna, that's really going to warm their heart and open, up, uh, open things up to them. But so God's plan continues that uh, Jews would become envious and then believe so that Jews would see that we have their Messiah in, their, in, in our lives. They would want him. They become believers. They, they remain Jewish. They're still Jewish. They're just even more Jewish than they ever were because they believe in the Jewish Messiah at this point. And this is what the verse calls their full inclusion. And then number four is what we all aspire to, really, to bless the world. Um, that's what the gospel is all about, going in all the world and preaching the gospel and blessing the world through Jesus the Messiah. So basically God, God's saying, like, if you want to do this, get the Jews involved because that's my plan. Like, I, I didn't make this up. I mean, it's, like, it's kind of like one of those passages that you'll read over and then until somebody points it out to you that God actually has a plan to save Jews through Gentiles, you might not take it seriously until 
you realize it's God's word. And so, so God has a big heart for this. So um, I believe we should have a heart for it. Todd introduced me to um, a guy. I haven't had him come speak before. You had Rabbi Barney come and speak. Um, uh, Barney is a uh, Messianic Jew, which means a Jewish person that believes that Jesus is the Messiah. We have another friend that, he, in, that Todd introduced me to. In fact, you, you introduced me to every rabbi. Um, rabbi Bob. And I, I really like saying his name. Rabbi Barney. Rabbi, there's no normal rabbis like a, rap, like a Rabbi Boog. Just yeah, weird no, names. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we just don't live in that world so much, so it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so Bob shared, uh, shared with Todd, because he's one of those guys that is so passionate, one, because he's Jewish, and two, because he loves Jesus and he loves his people. And he said 90% of the Jews that come to faith come to faith through their non-Jewish friends, which is this. He's saying the people that do come to faith, one, they're open because they're not as closed off as you would think. They just don't know. No one's shared with them because they're also afraid because they make assumptions. But you've seen this happen. You've seen part of the 90% begin that process of asking questions like, what? So if you could share about the girl in, in LA. Yeah, so um, a number of years ago, the Shoreline Church took a trip um, to refurbish bomb shelters in the north of Israel. And we teamed up with a, organ a ministry called Shelters of Hope. Um, and they were our hosts. And so the whole week, we basically, real quick, we, the apartment building has a bomb shelter underneath. If it was made after 1956, it's a community bomb shelter underneath. Does that sound weird that your house needs a bomb shelter? Anybody have a bomb shelter in their house? No, welcome to Israel. That's like they have, they have, they're surrounded by people who hate them and want them wiped off the map. So um, we went there. We raised money. Uh, we raised, it's like $35,000 to refurbish a bomb shelter, raised the money, took a team, and um, we were working in the shelter, and, and all these, um, the people of the apartment building would come in and check us out, like, what are you guys doing here? And so we'd strike up all these conversations. Anyways, Friday evening rolls around later in the week, and I think we're all done working. Friday evening is Shabbat, like that's the Sabbath, and so it's custom even for non-religious Jews to have it's like a family meal together. So we were, we were at my uh, buddy's house um, who lives in the apartment building. He, runs, he was running the Billabong surf shop in the area. He was a surfer. And so we were there all around the table. And, um, and Yaniv's, uh, this guy's wife, he says, he says uh, sorry, she asked me, like, okay, why are you guys here? And so I gave her, like, the quick answer of, like, Oh, you know, like the, the quick answer, like the quick Christian answer, like the Jesus answer almost. Like, uh, and, and she goes, yeah, but why, why are you really here? So I be, she kind of invited me to share. So I started sharing about how I'm a follower of Jesus. And because of that, um, I understand that God has an intense heart for his Jewish people. And he loves them like in, so much more than we could imagine. And so we wanted to come and help with a bomb shelter to show our love and respect towards you guys. And you could see it in her eyes. Like, at that point, she was locked in. Like, she, she didn't want to go anywhere. Um, her mother-in-law was washing dishes, and I think it was just Renee and I and my dad at the table, and she was sitting across from us. And, um, and her husband was there, but he was like not, you could tell when somebody's interested or not. Um, she was interested, he wasn't. And so I began to tell her about Jesus, about all the pro some of the prophecies he fulfilled to be Messiah, 
Um, I was, I think I was sharing from Isaiah 53. Isaiah, Isaiah is a, pro, a prophet in the Old Testament who wrote 750 years before Jesus. And if you read chapter 53, it looks, it, it, it's, it seems like you're reading the New Testament. That's how accurate it is about the life, death, and resurrection of this Messiah figure. And I was sharing this with her, and she kept on going, like to the rest of the family, do you hear what, do you hear what he's saying? Do you guys hear this? Have you guys heard of Jesus this way? Like, did you know Jesus did this? And, and we were kind of like taken aback too because like who doesn't know anything about Jesus? Well, that's, that's a misconception. She didn't know anything about Jesus. And yet she was um, in her like mid-30s. She had spent time in New York and time in L.A. as a businesswoman. Um, she's not a sheltered girl. Like she tons of non-Jewish friends, and yet nobody had shared with her anything about who Jesus was. And I could, I could tell, like, she, she saw that we had, like, a peace in our life, and she wanted it. And that's, that's what people want. They're after peace, right? And which Isaiah 53 says, the punishment that brought us peace was upon this Messiah figure, and it's by his wounds that we are healed. I could have been sharing that verse. I'm not sure. But you could tell that she wanted it, and she was like, so excited to hear more and she was like yeah have you guys heard this and the father-in-law was like i've heard things and you know i saw the special on john or something like that and um but it was it was quite eye-opening because there you go i mean she didn't know anything the thing that todd shared with me when he was sharing that story that stuck out to me um, he didn't share it the same way but this is what grabbed her um she said why are you doing this and he said well because Jesus is passionate about his people. And so we're here to love the Jewish people. That's why we're building this bomb shelter. And that love opened up the door for truth. Um, that grace, she's like, wait, why are you here? Like, no, really, give me, give me the legit answer. He goes, because I love the Jewish people because Jesus did. And boom, you know, then there was, there was credibility to who he was um, and what he was there for. And it was being honest. And that's the thing we've talked about with being invested in life. You have to be sincere and honest. We can't just go, well, uh, you're supposed to believe this, this, and this. Did you know this? I mean, it's, it's, it's all out of love and care that opened up that door for truth. Um, so we're running towards the end here, and I want to make sure that we get to some of your questions. Um, there aren't a whole lot of questions here, but there's some. So if you have your questions, now is the time to fire them off. Um, in this, one of, the, one of the questions we have is, um, what if I don't feel called to the Jews? Um, yeah, that's a great question because... I believe people have a, a desire to go. Like, I also lead mission trips, so I go to Japan all the time. I didn't feel called to Japan before, when I went, but because I went, I developed a heart. Now I've been, this would be a 13th annual trip. So, like, there's those things where it's like, oh, I want to go to China. I want to do this. What I'm saying is what, let me rephrase that, what the Bible's saying, what God's Word is saying. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus, you must have a heart for the Jewish people. Like, and if you don't, because many of you might be like, well, uh, that's like news to me. I didn't know that. Um, it just starts like simply praying, like praying for it, praying that God would give you his heart for his people. And even if you don't even have friends to start praying for those Jewish friends to come into your life. So, um, yeah, the whole I feel called and don't called is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it if you if you want if you want to use God's word as your authority, it's like this is a this is a task for all of us, and this has been part of the problem. That's why 
less than 1% of Jews believe in Jesus because there's not that many Gentiles sharing their faith. Um, not to mention all the discrimination and the prejudice and the Holocaust. Yeah, I mean, yeah there's and, a lot yeah. of reasons. There's a ton of reasons, yes. And, and um, you know, as, as a pastor here, uh, I want to say it this way. If you've read the scriptures, and if you've read them enough, you've heard this, and I know you've heard it here, salvation is first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles. And when I read that, I'm like, that's a little unfair. You got some favorites. Like, what, it's like me saying, you know what? I like this child first and then that one. It's like, aren't we? Because to me, I'm like, wait, did you really mean it that way? Or aren't we all equal? So I don't get it. But it's very clear in Scripture that it is it's important that Jews get the opportunity to know that their Messiah is Jesus. It's never our responsibility to persuade. It's our responsibility to share, either starting with love or for the few of you that have the gift of evangelism, use it. Um, it doesn't mean you start running around looking for Jewish people to share with because you're not invested in them. It's just awkward and weird. I w- I, when people come to my door that I don't know, and like, hey, let me start talking. I'm like, I don't know you. Um, why are you at my door? Like, do you think I don't let the person that wants to sell me solar panels sit here and talk? Like, so what, you're trying to sell me something. So we can never sell anything. It's, it has to come from love. Um, we have a couple more questions here. Um, how, when you talk about making the Jews jealous, what is that? I mean, that sounds weird. Envious, jealous. Like, what is, does that, what do you mean? Yeah, it's kind of weird language because we know jealousy is like, oh, that's not good to be jealous. But God has a jealousy for us, right? God has a jealousy. He is a godly, righteous jealousy that if we go after other gods, he's jealous and he wants us back. So I would say the jealous thing is, is uh, we, like Boogie just said, we actually, believing in Jesus, by believing in Jesus, we believe in a Jewish covenant that was promised in the Old Testament. Um, it's not something that was even ours uh, to begin with, it was theirs, and we are grafted, and we are no, it's not like we're second-class citizens or anything like that, but um, to make them jealous, I mean, they, they have all these promises from God that they're not, they're not even living in, because they're, they're like estranged from God, and especially because of the Messiah thing, they're, they don't know the Messiah, so their sins are not forgiven, um, they don't have a right relationship with God, and I would say that most people are looking for peace in their life, right? I mean, doesn't that make sense? Like, like look at all the avenues people are trying to um, go after peace, whatever it looks like. It, it could, be, um, could be even through sports or something, just to find some, like, kind of equilibrium in your life and peace. But God, God is the only way that we actually can get peace, like, to have that peace in our life. So when somebody sees that... You, you have peace in your life, they're going to want to know what it is. And that, that's kind of the jealousy issue. Like, like it, I mean, if I didn't have any peace in my life and I, I saw somebody who did, I'd be a little bit envious because that's, that's what everybody wants. People just want to live a peaceful life. So I want to read one last time our verse from Luke 5. Jesus heard about it. He's talking to the Pharisees. And he says this, Who needs a doctor? The healthy or the sick. I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. And when he says this, he's, he's referring, because the Pharisees are asking him, why are you hanging out with these prostitutes, these t- 
tax collectors, these people are doing all this wrong stuff. Why are you hanging out with them? And so when he talks about outsiders versus insiders, he's saying those that don't know who he is, that don't know how recklessly he loves them. For those that don't know that love, he's come for them. That's who the outsiders are. And it's an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. Now, the danger with bringing Todd and talking about this is, is like, there's just not enough time. And so um, Todd uh, has uh, already produced and developed one movie. It's called The Promised Land. Um, you've probably heard of it if you've been around here, him surfing, going to Israel, those relationships, some of them um, that we haven't talked about and some that we have this morning. And then he also uh, has another movie he's making. He does trips to Israel. In fact, uh, we are going a year from here. There's only so many that can go, so um, we'll tell you when we have openings for it. Um, but it's a year from here. We're going to Israel to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to go through Israel where Jesus walked and learn that way. And then he also has this study he does that um, all of you are invited to, and I've asked him if he'd bring the materials. So he has some of the materials here. You could just take it and go, but it'd be even more valuable if you wanted to start a study. How many weeks is it? It's six weeks, six, six sessions, basically. Six sessions. And you can go a little deeper in this. And just, it's, it's a great opportunity to look in God's word. And, and if, if this is confusing to you, you're like, wait, Jews, Jews can be Christians? Yeah. When you read the New Testament, all those Christians, they were all Jews pretty much, like 99% of them. So this isn't, he's come for all people, but especially for his people. And I want our church to be aware of that and not ignorant. And Todd does a, a valuable thing for our church and many other churches in just opening our eyes and reminding us of scriptures that we just kind of skip over because they don't fit with what we're looking for. Um, so I want to pray for us. I want to invite the worship team up. And I want to um, bring Todd down and pray for him. You can take the jump. I'll, I'll hold your hand if you want. So let's uh, pray for Todd together. Father, um, I thank you for taking this... Uh, surfer from Dana Point, and using him. And he's a model to us, Lord, of, of what you can do. We so often uh, determine what's possible. But Lord, we want you to do that. It's in you we trust. And give us the courage to be obedient. We ask that you would care for Todd, for his marriage, for his children, for their family, that you would protect him, Lord. Because we know that when we step out, uh, that we get attacked and beat down. I pray for his health, his physical health. I pray for his mental health, his spiritual health. Uh, Lord, would you care for the Moorheads and continue to guide them to where you want to take them and give them the courage to face the things that they face. Uh, we ask for this blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen.